This is R.J. Rushdoony, Easy Chair number 354, January 9, 1996. Our subject is now a rather grim one, but one we've got to face, unemployment. It is a growing problem. The last two years have seen an increasing number of uh, people losing jobs. These have been substantially older people. At first, people over 50 were expendable. Now it's dropping down to the low 40s and 40. One of the reasons for this is that to hire a man of that age means he's eligible for more benefits. That they are costlier. The unemployment, compensation, the health insurance, retirement, and so on. Of course, many corporations are getting rid, rid of tens of thousands of peoples by making as many as possible part-time employees, which means that many of them cannot survive on what they offer to pay them. By making all but a handful part-time employees, it means that they do not have to pay benefits for those people, and they can afford them. This is partly due to the long, long history of wage increases and inflation which has made the worker uh, overpaid in terms of his productivity and in which case also there have been more than the job requires. I know an engineer told me that there were, in his case with a large corporation, twice as many engineers as were needed. And he said, as long as we were getting fat federal contracts, uh, the corporation uh, could overload the work staff, play games trying to develop this or that, and get an, uh, uh, a bit ahead of the competition by putting a lot of people on uh, special projects. But he said, we can no longer afford to do that. So, a great many jobs have been lost that way. Then, overregulation has meant the loss of jobs. Again, taxes have so increased that the margin of profit has been greatly narrowed. It used to be, some few years after the war, 6% was calculated to be the average uh, rate of profit for business. Now it's far, far lower than that. I've heard as low as 2%. So this has been a very serious problem. Then insurance is another problem. And I'm sure you men can add other reasons in a minute or two, why unemployment has increased. The cost of insurance is prohibitive. 
in the January 8, 1996 U.S. News and World Report. There is this article uh, on page 39. Several years ago, and I'm quoting, Texas trial lawyer Joe Jamal was conducting a deposition in his penthouse office in Houston. In the hot seat was a top executive from a chemical company that was being sued by Jamal's clients for its involvement in an alleged toxic dump. During a break in the deposition, the executive wandered over to a credenza and picked up a clear acrylic paperweight with a small piece of paper encased inside. The paper (coughs) was a bank deposit slip for three billion, billion, not million, part of the ten and a half billion judgment Jamail won for Pennzoil in its 1987 battle against Texaco. Cowboy Jamail drawled to the executive, don't let this happen to your company. The chemical manufacturer soon took Jamail's advice and decided to settle the case. Even though the company claimed no wrongdoing, its choice was quite easy. And it goes on to cite what the cost of the suit would have been for them. As a result, victories are won by plaintiffs where no injustice exists, where the scientific Evidence is clearly against the person suing. I'm not saying there are not legitimate cases. What I am saying is that today the attitude of insurance companies is juries will always give the money because they figure the company will pay uh, because it's well insured. However, this raises insurance costs for all of us. So that even for a group like Calcedon, which is hardly involved in anything that is risky, the insurance costs are great. For anyone starting a business, (coughs) they're almost prohibitive. And a man has to have been very provident and uh, saved for a long time in order to pay just the insurance cost of going into business. So the job market is narrowed. There are many, many people now who call me, who say, I have been out of work for a while. I thought I'd mortgage the house or sell the house and try to go into business. And then they tell me why they can't afford it. They cannot afford it. They feel they have a 50-50 chance of making it, but they cannot afford it. In most businesses, it takes a couple of years before you turn a profit. And if in the couple of years you have very, very high costs in the form of insurance, you're in trouble. So we have a major crisis. And of course, there are other things that we can go into, such as the debt that the federal government, private companies, and people at large 
are overwhelmed with and debt is destroying people, companies, the country, and the economy. <clears throat> Douglas, you know a great deal more about this than I do. Why don't you take your time and uh, share with us what you know? Well, I've had a recent experience of, uh, at 61 years old, of uh, being out of a job, and uh, it took me about two or three days to make up my mind to go into business for myself again after not being in business for myself for about, oh, probably 20 years. But uh, the uh, startup costs of a business, unless you've got money saved, unless you've got cash, uh, the odds are greatly stacked against you. Unless you've got cash to pay the, uh, you've got to have a minimum of a $1 million business liability insurance policy, uh, plus you've got to be able to buy your equipment and fixtures and so forth. And to go into debt for that, uh, you're, you're almost ensuring that you're going to fail. I don't care what kind of business you're in. But so, some of the other factors that have driven this unemployment uh, thing is that people fail to see the implications of technology. Uh, within the past night or two in the local PBS station, there was a very telling illustration of this in the documentary of how the new Boeing 777 airplane was uh, designed and uh, put into production. One of the things that they said in there, which if I were a young person planning on making a career out of being a pilot, I would give second thoughts about doing that. Because one of the things that they said was that the computers on the 777, that the airplane could almost fly itself. Well, when they're that close, you know they're going in that direction. And I would venture to predict that within a lifetime or less, we will see commercial air travel that is totally automated. You will get into this device. It will take off uh, computerized and it will fly computerized, and it will land computerized. We called them in World War II, they called them drone airplanes, where they didn't want to send a live pilot into a particular situation. But if you take a look at all of the uh, uh, National uh, uh, Safety, uh, Transportation Safety Board findings on uh, airplane crashes, commercial airplane crashes, they almost always lay the blame for the crash on pilot error. Now, this is going to have to have a powerful influence on the uh, direction of engineering of commercial aircraft, but which is a digression. But basically, we have to recognize that technology is moving faster and faster. Uh, technology begets more technology. Uh, industries that have difficulty managing large numbers of people because of uh, the increase in government regulation which says that you must give people time off for maternity leave and you must give them time off for this, that, and the other. Small businesses cannot survive losing key people for any long periods of time. And I can't tell you how many contractors and business people that I've talked to in recent years that 
say, if I could just get back to being a sole proprietorship again, I think I'd be happy. They said, if I was just a guy with a toolbox working out of his pickup truck, I'd be happy. I wouldn't have to deal with all of the being an unpaid tax collector, having to be um, a counselor and social director to a bunch of people who refuse to take responsibility for their own lives. And today, uh, local small contractors up here cannot afford to hire a fellow who is over about 28 years old, particularly if he's married and has a family, because the insurance costs would uh, eliminate any possibility of his making a profit. Eliminate it, along with the taxation and the insurance costs. So this is what's driving the unemployment figures is that small business people who comprise 80% of or more of all of the jobs that are out there in our economy simply can't afford to have employees. It's government regulation, civil government regulation. Well, uh, they are, yeah, they are forcing each individual entrepreneur to become a social service agency. That's right. To provide, in effect, government benefits Without the government having to take the blame Absolutely. for it, they take they take uh, the government takes all of the credit for passing this legislation, but they take none of the responsibility. What a great uh, uh, object lesson, and, and what a great um, uh, example the government sets for each individual citizen in this country when the government will not take responsibility for the laws that it passes. It won't provide the funding and it wants to lay all of this responsibility on the, the, uh, the individual entrepreneur. And they have so loaded people down to the point that a lot of people who have the ability uh, simply don't go into business. Now you're really saying the civil government is generating unemployment. That's what sure you're saying yeah. long term. Sure People yeah. need to understand that. That's precisely correct. Yeah. You know, another thing that I, I was going to mention is uh, here we get at a root problem. It's something that Rush has written about a number of years ago and maybe more recently. A spirit of decapitalization. Mm-hmm. Non-long-term, very short-term, non-provident <clears throat> way of looking at things. Uh, unemployment, like everything else, is a religious phenomenon and decapitalization and this uh, spirit of short-term benefits uh, for short-term labor and uh, not stressing the human element in work and that sort of thing, Um, a consumption economy rather than a production economy, Um, that too, of course, generates unemployment, and we're seeing the effects of it about us, all about us. Well, corporations (coughs) used to have five-year plans. Now, that's... That's uh, an anachronism. I mean, That's it's right. ludicrous to plan five years ahead. The, the uh, CEOs of corporations, major corporations today, live or die by what happens in the next 90 days. Yeah. And everybody wonders why all of these major corporations have this army of lobbyists. Because the, the, the entire economic landscape can be turned upside down within one session of Congress. And that's the reason those army of lobbyists are out there is they're damage control experts. They try to blunt or divert the direction of the uh, Congress uh, in in any way that that would be detrimental to the economic well-being of a major corporation. People don't understand why these people are out there. 
That's their purpose. They're, 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 uh, they're lifeguards for the corporation. Douglas hit on one point. We've got to recognize that there is some legitimate unemployment uh, temporarily when there is technological change. It was that way uh, in the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. Now we're in what's the so-called Information Revolution. But it doesn't mean that people can't get jobs. It means the jobs are shifted. So I think we have to introduce that note of some legitimacy, although it should not be long-term. Well, people need to look ahead, and whatever industry they're in, they need to look well into the future, and they need to read as much as they can lay their hands on about whatever uh, activity that the, the business that they're involved in, uh, uh, whatever's coming down the pike, because unless you can see these trends coming a ways off, you're going to get swallowed up by them, like auto workers did, That's right. uh, like all various in the steel industry, uh, the lumber industry, the mining industry, all of these right. major uh, resource-based industries and uh, uh, producers uh, in this country, I don't think that there's one in a thousand workers at the at the mill level or at the at the bottom saw what was coming until it washed over them like a wave, and nobody told them, not the government. That's right. Well, years nobody ago, as them. you know. A man would uh, get out of high school, possibly go to college, and have a job his entire lifetime. What are the latest figures on how many times a person will... It's seven, I think. The average person will change jobs seven times. Mm -hmm. I may be off there, but isn't it something like that? At least. Yeah, it's something like At that. Least. I think, too, if you're talking about the causes of unemployment, you have to look at the causes of employment. You touched on capital. Well, on a personal level, on a government level, we've done everything to destroy capital and create an economy based upon debt. That's right. Uh, but <coughs> private property and freedom to use that property has declined. And whenever that you interfere with the, those elements that create jobs and create employment, you're creating unemployment. Well, most people have figured out by now that the government is lying to us about the rate of inflation. Uh, the bank pays you somewhere between 1% and 2% interest on a savings account. Uh, the government depreciates the purchasing value of every That's dollar right. you save at a real rate of about 13%, and then they lie to you and tell you that the inflation rate is only around 3 or 4% when, in fact, they've taken most of the cost of living factors out of the consumer price index so that they, for political reasons, they can make you think that they have inflation under control. That's right. No, there's this, this is this. Excuse me. This area we're living in is an old mining area. Uh, few, if any, mines in the entire Motherload region are are, are now uh, operating on any kind of a scale, other than a one-man operation here and there. But in the last century, when this area was built on mining, all you had to do is own the property, or sometimes lease the property from the owner. And you had to come up with the engineers and the capital to open up that mine. You didn't have to ask anybody for permission. In fact, it was many years before some, some of the counties began saying, we would like a uh, map of your workings in case there's a mine accident. And some counties like Calaveras, mm -hmm. if any maps were submitted, they never bothered to keep them. <coughs> but... You didn't have to ask anybody's permission to go into business. It was up to you. You it was your capital. Right. It was your property. Mm -hmm. It's your risk. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
And today, to open up a simple little business, it costs you a tremendous, because it has to go through a lengthy review process. Even to build a building today mm -hmm. requires a lengthy review process. We had to get everybody's approval and their check-off, including Indian groups, to make sure there weren't any Indian uh, ruins on our property of any kind or anything of archaeological value that we might be destroying when we built uh, a 3,800-square-foot building. Mm -hmm. It's political hatred of property in this country, and it's been that way for many years. And a, and a destruction of freedom. That's you right. can't create jobs if you're not free to go into business. That's right. And, and ultimately, property your, and freedom your, your freedom to go into business and to earn a living is one of your fundamental uh, freedoms. That's right. You mentioned mining. The case of the Sonora gold mine is uh, very interesting because before they could start any mining, they had to spend something like $30 million to satisfy all the environmental and regulatory concerns. Then, when the price of gold dropped, they could have continued, but with the increasing pressure and attempt to impose new restrictions on them, they finally gave up and quit this past year. You know you know how what uh, uh, political maneuver they used in order to get operating at all? They borrowed eighty million dollars from the Bank of America. And then when the heat came on from the EPA they said to the Bank of America, You want to get your money back? You uh, act as our intermediary here so yeah, that we can get the necessary smart. permits. Hmm. They didn't need all that money. Mm -hmm. the, um, you talked about uh, factories, jobs closing down. Another problem is businessmen today, seeing the political climate, uh, investors will and corporations will buy a company figuring on the short term, not the long term. We're going to buy this and either strip it of its assets or we're going to operate it for a short term to make a profit. And if the government shuts us down, we sell it or we, we abandon it yeah. and, mm -hmm. and we take whatever we can get out <coughs> short term mm -hmm. and we take it and we put it somewhere else where we can make some money here in the next mm -hmm. two or three years and then we'll take our money out and they don't care if this mill is shut down or this factory mm -hmm. shut down because they're long gone mm -hmm. and there it sits idle we don't want to forget two men uh, onerous taxation I mean uh, mm -hmm. just capital gains taxes which mm -hmm. essentially are penalizing people the whole idea of a capital gains tax is if you're able to capitalize wealth, you're penalized for it. Um, and that's the spirit of decapitalization we talked about. And I wrote down, too, we need to be fair. There are many good employers out there. Some people are unemployed simply because they don't work hard. Mm -hmm. And when we live in a culture where there's a great deal of laziness and people expect a handout all the time, uh, this isn't true of many workers, perhaps not even true of most of them. But I've had experiences with people like that. And... Uh, I think that's a factor that we need to take into account. I think, too, regarding regulation, it's not only big government. It's not only the EPA and, and federal regulations or even state regulations. A lot of times it's local regulators right down to the person next door that's who right. says, I don't want this next to my that's right. house. I, I don't want you to build that on your property, that's right. so I'm going to cause a stink and I'm going to accuse you of all kinds of things and you're going to destroy this, you're right. going to destroy that. And everybody wants to regulate. Everybody who buys a place in the country wants to think they're the last house that's going to be built in the country, and nobody should interfere with my view. That's right. 
Yeah, if you want to view, buy more land. That's exactly right. Well, oh yes, go ahead. No, I wasn't. Go ahead, Rush. <clears throat> I've had uh, some people who are Calcetan friends tell me that with their little businesses, they no longer hire anybody from the outside to work for them. They can't afford it. The least little uh, criticism or correction. They can file suit against them. They can charge them with absurd things like sexual harassment when no such thing existed, anything to make trouble. So they rely on their wife or their daughters to come in after school and help out for an hour or two, and they get by that way. So the job market is being reduced because the employer has become so highly vulnerable and uh, this is deadly when uh, employees regard uh, are regarded by employers as a threat rather than a help you have a crisis and it's a growing crisis because well, people are afraid of their employees. I think there's probably in all of this there's an unintended long-term benefit, and that is going to force families together. Yes, because yeah. uh, families are going to have to, uh, if they, you know, if there is a family business, then all the family members are going to have to pull together and work in it in order to make it survive. And you see uh, some uh, instances of this. Uh, here locally, uh, like the local feed store, the mm-hmm. Spence family, uh, all of the boys work in that uh, in that business, and they're doing well because they all pull together. And I think that's something that a lot of the other people uh, need mm-hmm. to emulate. Well, you can go to some places in town that uh, used to be open during the noon hour because they had some older woman come in and uh, run things while they went out for lunch. Now they close for the noon hour. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to forget, too, that uh, this wicked idea of uh, guaranteed minimum wage, of course, produces unemployment. The Democrats yes. have been crying for uh, the last 10, 20 years, let's raise the minimum wage. That sounds so nice and pretty, but what it really means is that people that maybe don't have as many as much skills are going to be kept out of work, and it's going to be an, uh, a heavy burden on the employer. Minimum wage is evil, and it causes unemployment. Well, we have a problem. It's affecting all of us. Some of us are feeling the loss of income by many people, most churches, and especially uh, Christian foundations, including ours, are seeing more and more people unemployed or with a reduced income. And as a result the income to the organizations is reduced. It's a rather grim and sad thing for me that so often I hear from somebody who's been a very faithful supporter that they could no longer support us because their plant has closed down and uh, their position is ended and being 50 or 60 or thereabouts 
There are no jobs available for them in their industry. It's a very trying situation. And some of these men have been more than two years without work. And of course, after I believe it is six months, they're no longer regarded as unemployed because their unemployment insurance runs out. There's an interesting facet to all of this. With the growing unemployment, with a growing number whose income is reduced, we see at the same time the chief executive officers of some of the top corporations receiving the highest recorded salaries in American history. Uh, this seems very unjust. On the other hand, uh, while I was horrified when I first read about some of the salaries running into the millions that are being paid out, on reading everything I could on the subject, I learned a little more. These officers, who become the CEOs of these corporations, were at some smaller company, and either through their uh, own ability or some set of circumstances, they developed something and a huge uh, advance was made, more sales, more profits, and so on. And the major corporations are so desperate that they will offer these people fantastic sums in the hopes that they can repeat the miracle. Well, all they can do is to be ruthless. And uh, so there is a problem developing because so much is expected of these new chief executive officers. They're expected to work miracles. The stockholders and the board of trustees expects it. And at the same time, there is a hostility on the part of people in the corporation because by comparison, they're doing so poorly. And by the public at large who cannot understand why a CEO could ever be worth such a sum. Well, there's a reason for that. Uh, there's a flip side to that. These guys won't take the jobs because they know that their turn at the wheel is going to be pretty short. Yes. Because it's going to be determined by performance. Mm -hmm. And if they happen to come on board at a time when uh, there are financial factors that are running against the company which are beyond their control... Uh, they're going to be out after yes. the next shareholders meeting or board of directors meeting. They're going to be out. So they become like sports athletes. You know, they hire mm -hmm. a star uh, uh, baseball player because he hits a lot of home runs. Well, if the CEO doesn't hit home runs, then they trade him to another team. Yes. Well, we got to remember, too, that we believe in free market economics. And if the government, civil government, stays out of it, uh, the market tends to adjust itself. And what happens when you have all these inflated salaries, uh, This and this will be that way in, in sports, as a matter of fact. I think we're going to see in professional sports, especially the three main major sports, some real changes over the next few years precisely because of that. I mean, uh, people eventually will quit paying that sort of money. They can't pay that sort of money. So in time, these things we're talking about tend to adjust themselves, I believe. Well, you know how much it costs to go to a football game? Oh, it's, it's unconscionable. 
There's talk that that's one of the reasons it's hard to make money. And, of course, you know, some of them have come up with new rules about salary caps and so forth. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the reasons so many teams are trying to change locations, because some team, a city that wants them, will say, the market's got to be big enough. We'll give you a new stadium, or we'll give you this, we'll give you that if you come here. So they go there because they're losing money. So it's a shot in the arm. That's exactly right. Yeah, but when the fans are out of a job, or when the fans are working at a fast food restaurant and they make barely enough to keep themselves alive and can't right. afford to go to these sports events, then that's when the, the deflation will take Absolutely. place. Absolutely. When the fans finally stand up and say, we're not going to pay those prices, yeah. fine. you got nothing but empty seats that's in these major stadiums. Right. It's they amazing how pay those big salaries. That will adjust those salaries very quickly. That's right. And this is true not only in sports, but in the rest of the economy. Mm-hmm. If we get rid of government regulation, if you just let the economy work. Well, they, they, they haven't caught on to the idea. You know, it's funny. You watch them. Uh, they figure, okay, we'll, we'll pass these regulations, and this will make it better. But the result is it gets worse. That's right. But they don't get the message. They That's say, right. okay, we didn't pass the right regulations, so the second time we'll pass a different set of regulations, and this will fix the problem. Yeah. And then a little time goes by, and it gets worse. It cures worse than disease, yeah. And they never, they never sense the the direction of the trend, and right. nobody can reverse themselves. Nobody in government could admit that they've gone in the wrong direction. Whom God would destroy, He first makes mad. That's right. <laughs> and there are a lot of madmen around. Well, government regulations are around in this area because uh, my government subsidies because people want guarantees against failure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, Calcedon doesn't have that. I mean, we have to rely on the gifts of, uh, we have to, that keeps us on our toes all the time. We've got to put out a good product and help people and applying the faith in all areas of life. But, uh, that's a whole other topic, but that's something we need to recognize too. Well, we've looked at the problem. Let's consider among other things, some of the remedies. And here I have to go back in time to the Great Depression from 1929 on. It was only ended by our entrance into the war, creating an artificial economic boom. And ever since, we postponed a return to that Great Depression by inflation. We keep adding free money to the economy. That's right. Well, one of the things that happened with the Depression was something that the banks are trying to avoid now. There were entire new subdivisions that were empty within a short time. Everybody lost their place. The banks took them. And this time, of course, the banks are saying to people, if you can make any kind of payment, we'll keep you on uh, in your home because we don't want a lot of property. We don't know what to do with it. But with the Depression, there were so many people who are jobless 
who had no place to go except home to their parents. And so I knew a great many families in the neighborhood uh, through acquaintances and all where the son came home with his bride and children and another son then came back so that they occupied their old rooms and the kids slept in the halls and they somehow made do. There's a very important lesson in that, a very important lesson in that, and that is that the kids had debt and the parents didn't have any. Yes. So there was a home to go Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yes. Now the parents are in debt. That's right. They've upgraded their housing too many times. Absolutely. But at that time, the net effect of it was a return to fundamentals. The people in this country started attending church more. The crime rate dropped, surprisingly. Everybody expected it to go up. But at that time, you could go out and do anything and nobody interfered with you. Any kind of work. And if you're working two jobs, you haven't got time to get in trouble. Yes. That's right. <laughs> but uh, there were no regulations preventing people from getting jobs. Uh, to give you a modern example, we all know him, uh, one of our group used to be a construction worker for years and with uh, a preferential racial hiring he and others who were white could no longer work supposedly it was still fair he and others like him would be rotated but when their term came up they'd be sent out on a job that was half a day or two or three days Whereas the minorities would get the long, uh, major construction jobs and be working for months. <coughs> now, <clears throat> what he could have done was to go on an unemployment compensation. But instead, he took to peddling various things on the sidewalks and uh, selling things also at uh, highway crossings. And he's been hassled endlessly. They don't want that. They don't, they want, don't want that. That's right. They don't want peddlers. Uh, one uh, sheriff who had him arrested and put in jail, I wrote to. And I said, now, here is a man, and I said, you can check the records, and I'll help you check them and get them. Uh, who has... Uh, who could be on welfare, legitimately. But he doesn't want to be on welfare. He wants to earn money, and here he is out working. And you're preventing him from working. That's right. He's doing no ill. He's trying to have gainful employment. That's right. Well, that's what we're doing now. What can a man do at every turn? He's hampered. I recall in Detroit when the Depression hit, there in New York and Chicago and elsewhere, there were men at street corners selling apples to people who were coming out of the buildings to go to lunch. 
and uh, they would sell uh, a crate or so of apples for five cents apiece and they'd make fair money doing that jobs were scarce people were ready to work for next to nothing I know here in California when we came back from Detroit to the farm farm workers were working for nine and ten cents an hour nobody was saying anything about uh, that being unfair the farm workers were glad to get it and sometimes the farmers could not afford to pay that much so that the farmer and his children and his nephews and nieces all went into the fields together to work or they hired neighborhood children for a nickel or a dime a day just to help out I know that I picked uh, grapes for my uncle one time when the grapes were selling for one dollar a ton one dollar a ton they were going to be used to make wine they could not be sold any other way either green or as raisins so all of us in the family went there not to be paid because we were doing it for nothing and he was having to truck the grapes to the winery himself but things like that could not be done today there would be child labor <coughs> laws preventing it and a host of other things so there were ways of uh, seeing your way through the difficult times at that time that do not now exist which is true most laws that that uh, regulatory laws that have some basis in in fact they have some basis in which they were intended at one time to correct a particular evil but what regulatory laws usually do in regulation is they hamper freedom that's right and so ultimately trying to correct a wrong they to trying to correct injustice they create injustice that's exactly right and when men aren't free that itself is an injustice that's right and men aren't free today I was with Steve Schlissel recently in some of the streets in New York City the only peddlers I mean besides prostitutes uh, permitted there on the sidewalk are uh, book uh, peddlers because of the First Amendment <laughs> because but everybody else uh, everybody else will be thrown off he said but uh, whenever some of the shopkeepers try to, or others try to, to get these book dealers thrown off. They just cry about their First Amendment rights. So uh, I think that's a very telling point. Yes, very sad too. Very sad. Probably selling pornography. Well, various things. Yeah. <coughs> well, there used to be another remedy that was common in the Depression. The uh, women would go and uh, call at various places for example a walnut uh, a plant and they would get uh, several sacks of walnuts delivered to their home and they would then sit down and crack those nuts 
they would do it at their rate and at their time. The idea was to get as many perfect halves as possible, and uh, you can be very efficient at doing that once you get the hang of it. Those were more prized for various reasons, although they would take the others at a lesser price. And many years later, because that continued after the Depression and after World War II, that was outlawed on supposedly sanitary grounds. Never a problem that was created by that, but it was outlawed. So one area after another where people function in their homes and in some instances handicapped people were able to do such things in their homes has been banned to the American people. I'd like to introduce what may be a, a controversial topic. It certainly is among conservatives. Um, how many at the table agree that jobs should not be shipped overseas? That is, they basically defend protectionism. Some people believe that that's the, uh, one of the main causes of unemployment. Back in Ohio, there was a large caterpillar plant that um, had problems with the union, and eventually the management just said, hey, we can go to, I think it was Japan, and get cheaper labor. Uh, do you think we should um, embrace protectionism or have a so-called so global free market economy? What, what are the sentiments here? I am a, a strong opponent of the free market idea because it's a utopian idea. It presupposes a world without sin. It presupposes a world without borders. After all, if we are a free market and other countries are protectionist, Yes. It's the Trojan horse of the what's currently called, uh, which is a buzzword term for socialism, is called economic democracy. And uh, it really is the Trojan horse of the socialists who want uh, <coughs> to depress the economy in the United States uh, by forcing so much regulation, for instance, on the mining industry. The mining industry now has moved out of the United States and gone to Central and South America. Uh, through uh, the spotted owl and you know all these uh, species, so-called species protection, uh, environmental species uh, act, uh, they've shut down the timber industry and now uh, the uh, uh, timber in Siberia is now uh, coming onto the world market. Uh, they shut down the steel industry and uh, that went over to uh, North uh, to South Korea. And they started, uh, South Korea is the major shipbuilder in the world. So all of these various industries that have left the United States as a result of, uh, regulation, uh, I mean, it's just, I can't believe that it's, uh, by happenstance. Free market economy. I can't believe that this is just some accident of, mm -hmm. uh, of uh, political history. There has to be some intent behind this consistent yes. move to, to move industry out of the United States. Uh, the re excuse go me. ahead. The reason a free market can, it, it works, <coughs> say, within the United States. Of course, we don't really be talking how we don't have a free market, but if, if we go back, and basically the freedom to go into business and, and no trade barriers. The reason it works in the United States is because uh, Californians know that what's good for California is good for New York and Florida. 
So to have no trade barriers across state lines is good for everyone in the United States. And what's good for one section of the United States obviously is good for another because we have the common interests of the people of our nation at heart. If you take that same rationale, it doesn't apply to foreign countries. Foreign countries do not have the best interests of the United States at heart. And there's no reason why we have to have the economic best interest of foreign countries at heart in our economic policy. So NAT and GAFTA, or, or, or GAT and NAFTA, I should say, are bad ideas, right? Well, well one way in which um, the, we like to play, our polit politicians like to play God is they like to, to manipulate other people. And we were on a, an echelon up here as far as our economy for a period of time, and they've been trying to push us down and bring others up in the name of economic opportunity. And one way they can do it is to make sure as many of our jobs as possible go, and, and their rationale is that we have, if we have these economic ties, we're all going to get along and we're all going to be man able to manipulate each other. So there's sort of in, an internationalism in this, underlying yes. this. Uh, no matter what you call it, it all boils down to socialism. Yes. Whether it's economic democracy or whatever it is, the GATT, the NAFTA, these are all Trojan horses. These are all weapons of the New terms, World Order. And they use conservative terms such as free trade to... Those to basically are, manipulate. Those, are, basically those manipulate. are sleeping tablets, okay? Mm -hmm. they're, bu they're sleeping tablet buzzwords that are used to keep people asleep thinking that everything is okay, that the government is taking care of them. I see two motives behind all of this. The first is the one world order. We're going to open up the whole world uh, so that every nation is open to all others. And then second, uh, not altogether in tune with the first, but held by the same people, uh, these advocates want environmental purity for America. They want us to be a virgin country again, with the forests uh, growing freely and untouched by loggers and so on. So that uh, while we have a vast area of forest land in this country, and the forest lands have increased steadily for the past hundred years. And the laws require that when you cut certain types of trees, you replant so much, in some cases, two for every one cut. That, that doesn't satisfy them. Somehow they're going to make the United States a virgin area again. So let those people overseas whom we regard as a lower breed cut down their forests for us. doesn't matter to us who are wealthy if uh, the poor can no longer afford to build homes. After all, uh, whatever they have is good enough for them. Well, I see it as a win-win situation. The, the, the Russians don't have to ship the logs so far. They ship them over to Japan so Japan can make boxes uh, out of them to to ship the VCRs back to the United States in. They just don't have to haul the <laughs> timber so far. But, they, you know, we're talking people, uh, it's too easy to become hypnotized by the symptoms. You know, unemployment is a symptom. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a symptom of all of the government regulation, uh, the green movement, 
are simply a group of people who are being used and manipulated as a tool to gain the ends of the international socialists who want to enforce this economic democracy on, on everybody. It's a symptom of all of that and also of a fraudulent money. Well, I see that the, uh, this week uh, they've begun introducing the new $100 bill. Mm. No big fanfare, but the new $100 bill is coming on the market. And uh, it's it sports a larger uh, picture of Benjamin Franklin on it. And it's, you know, if we get all of this baloney about, well, it's going to cut down counterfeiting and it's going to uh, make it more difficult for the drug lords to launder their money. Oh, That's baloney. Yeah. Because the game here is to flood. How do we know how many hundred dollar bills are being put into circulation? You never get the numbers. Is it one for one? Do they take an old $100 bill out and replace it with a new $100 bill? They don't say anything about that. So here's a very easy way to inflate the money supply without anybody catching them. Mm-hmm. It's also creating a crisis in, in Russia in that a great many Russians have uh, kept their savings in $100 bills, mm-hmm. which they buy. And now they're afraid that as with uh, Russia's past history, we are going to disown the old hundred dollar bills, and they cannot believe any statement to the contrary. Mm-hmm. So it's creating havoc with the economy there. Remember the Susan B. Anthony dollar. Oh, yeah. About a year or so ago, they talked about uh, trying to recirculate that, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen a one. No. Melting down. That jammed up a lot of parking meters with those things. Yeah. Well, our time is about up. Is there a last uh, comment or so that any of you would like to make? I'll make one. Get out of debt. Yes. Debt is evil in most circumstances, except for emergencies and that sort of thing. Uh, Christians of all people should be those who are not debt living people, but are free men and free women. And if you're if you're not sure whether or not you're in trouble or not, the yardstick is if you can't pay off your credit cards every 30 days, right. then you're in trouble. Absolutely. Yes, and I've been saying for a good many years since World War II to a great many people, get out of debt yes. as a religious effort. Absolutely. And I'm glad that some have. Yes. Well, our time is about up. Thank you all for listening, and God bless you.